Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Child Of. Today, we're going to be talking about the hallmarks of narcissistic abuse. I feel like it's really important to know these things and to understand them so that you can understand your own situation and kind of work through these things as they come up and to be able to spot it in relationship and say, you know what, I know what that is. I know what it's called and I know it's not okay. So the first hallmark of narcissistic abuse is gaslighting. Personal example from my own life, um, I was in family therapy with my mom and my dad and I stated a fact and that was that my father had hit me in the face while I was processing some grief over the death of an animal that I loved. And he stated in therapy that I, that he, he said word for word, I don't remember ever doing anything like that. My mom was there and she had actually witnessed the abuse and she said nothing. So what happened in that situation, I brought up a fact about how he had been abusive towards me. He said it never happened or, you know, he would never do anything like that. Um, Basically just lying. But when it's done long term, especially to a child, it can cause that child to have cognitive issues and to struggle to know what's real and what isn't. So if you've ever sat down with your parent and said, hey, you did this thing that hurt me and they say that never happened or um, you're remembering it completely differently and the way that they're they're telling you that you should remember it is not at all how you remember it. They're probably gaslighting you. They're probably twisting it so that they look good and you look bad. And that is abusive. So second on the list is emotional abuse. This obviously covers a lot of things. Emotional abuse is deep, it's complex, it's wide ranging. It can involve belittling your pain. I personally remember going through my very first breakup at the age of 16. I was just a tender little girl and I was crying on the couch and my father in a mocking voice, he was like, oh, are you still grieving and walked away? Um, It's moments like that that are examples of emotional abuse. A total callousness to others' well-beings and their struggles. Emotional abuse can also involve name-calling, intimidation, humiliation, victim-blaming, isolation, and neglect. So be aware of these things. Look them up. Understand the, the effects of them and how they can show up or manifest in a victim's life. Okay, let's talk about projection. This is basically where the abuser tells the victim that they are the abuser. It's a real mind fuck. I recall so many occasions in my own life where I would ask my father why he did, you know, such and such a thing, telling him that, you know, it really hurt me. And he would first gaslight me and tell me that he didn't do anything. And then he would turn it around on me and project, classically saying his abusive behavior was actually mine, making me feel like the bad guy in the situation. And let me tell you, when it's happening to you, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Why, why, why can't I just sit down and say, hey, this hurt, and the other person say, hey, I'm sorry, and then it's, you know, case closed. That would be really simple. Instead, in cases of projection, You bring something up and you end up feeling like the bad guy, even though you're pretty sure the other person is the bad guy. But now you have to question everything because you're not really sure what happened or what you actually did. And this is a classic sign of narcissistic abuse when you're questioning everything and you're being told all these things that just don't make sense to you. 
And this leads in very nicely to the next point, and this is twisting. They will twist everything to suit their own narrative and to make you think that you're the bad guy and that they're the victim because they always want to play the victim. In my own situation, this showed up in a very specific way with in terms of like spiritual and religious abuse. He used scripture. He twisted it a lot. My father did. And there were verses that were just completely left out of what I was taught. So when I went to actually read the Bible myself, I was actually surprised. And I was like, why? Oh, I I mean, I was about to ask why he left it out. But it was so obvious that it just it didn't suit him. So he never taught us those verses. Um, I always heard children obey your parents. But the verse that comes right after that was always left out. And it states fathers, do not frustrate your children or they will become discouraged. So the fifth hallmark of narcissistic abuse kind of just ties in with gaslighting and twisting, um, and that is just blatant lying. These people lie. There should be an entire handbook because they have mastered the art of deceit. For those who believe them, there are millions of ways that they have been subtly deceived over time, and it's like brainwashing. The lies accumulate, and when people who staunchly believe these narcissists are shown any amount of truth, they react as if you have thrown a snake in front of their faces. And a little side tip I'll add, because we're on the subject of people who believe narcissists, um, what I would say when it comes to people like this, and maybe it's your brother or sister, it's definitely my brother and sister, um, do not wake people up when they're sleepwalking. That's the tip. When you try to talk to these people about what's really going on and the lies that they're just, you know, eating up, they will freak out. Narcissists tend to create like these tiny cults around them. And that's why I've titled my um, podcast, What It Is, a Child of Surviving a Narcissistic Cult, because the people that stick with a narcissist long term, they are brainwashed and it's like they're in a cult. Every single thing that they believe has likely been fed to them by the narcissist. So the narcissist actually controls their reality. And to try to take that reality away from them will scare them so badly that they'll just run back to daddy, you know, or, you know, their husband, whoever it happens to be, they will run back to them and, you know, be soothed and told that the other person is just absolutely crazy. That actually leads quite nicely into number seven, which is character assassination. And this usually only happens when someone stands up to the narcissist or they leave the relationship completely. So this will likely happen to you if you're a child of a narcissist and you go no contact. The rest of your family is going to hear about all the ways that you are terrible, all the ways that you have disrespected them in your life. And a lot. some of it may be true, but a lot of it is probably just absolute bullshit. This allows them to keep their control over the people that are still around because those people will think that you're either a nut job or you're a hateful person or, you know, this or that, whatever they've decided to run with that is the story now. Um, those people, whether they be your, your siblings or your friends, they will think the worst of you. That way, if you get in contact with any of them and you try to share your side of the story, they will already have been told exactly how to think about you. The crazy part about this is that the narcissist may even 
disclose what they actually did to you to these people, but they'll do it under the pretense of they think that I did these horrible things to them and I would never do anything like that. I would never treat anyone like that. And the flying monkeys, the people who are so gung-ho about this narcissist and believe everything that they say, they'll be like, oh no, of course you would never do anything like that. I can't believe they would say something like that about you or think that you would do something like that. When in fact, that behavior actually happened and now you're basically unable to defend yourself when it comes to these people. So the eighth hallmark of narcissistic abuse is emotional blackmailing. And this is very simple. It's where a narcissist uses your emotions to manipulate you. For example, your fear or your sense of obligation or some sense of shame or guilt. Um, A personal example I can offer up for this was that there was a cat we had when I was growing up and uh, we'd actually bought two kittens, bought them right after we had another cat die. And my dad at the time had told me, you know, these are your cats to take care of. And I was like, okay, I can do that. This is, mind you, I'm a high school kid at this point. So when he says this to me in my brain, and I think even in his at the time was, I am responsible for feeding them and cleaning their litter box, which makes sense as a high schooler. You need some responsibility. Flash forward like six or seven years, and actually it might have even been longer than that. It might have been a full like 10 years, but um, I had moved out. I was initiating no contact, and I had my own place. I had a good job that was reliable, and I was at work, and I got a message from my dad saying, hey, you need to come pick up your cat and take it to the vet. It's sick. And I, I said, that's not my cat. I mean, I had, hadn't been living at home for years now, and I said, I'm at work. I can't just leave work and come pick up this cat because it was like an hour drive to go out to Canby. I said, can you just take it to the vet? He refused to take it to the vet. I couldn't leave work. And then later he blamed me for the cat dying. Now, I have no idea why he did that. He didn't say that he there was any reason why he couldn't take the vet, cat to the vet. It was like he was trying to teach me a lesson and and hurt me at the same time. And that's what kind of emotional blackmailing entails is this person is trying to hurt you. And you might ask, but why? Why? What's the point? Why would someone want so badly to hurt you for no apparent reason? And that's the question of the century. Wouldn't we all like to know why they want to hurt us so bad? Why they enjoy getting a reaction out of us? Why? Just why? Because it almost seems somewhat psychopathic. My biggest fear as the adult child of a narcissistic father is that when I'm in a relationship and that person hurts me, my fear is that they are getting something out of it, that they're enjoying hurting me. That is my fear. Okay, so number nine is what's called love bombing. Now, this is more obvious, I think, with romantic relationships than it is with a parent-child relationship. How I experienced love bombing as the child of a narcissistic father was in getting nice things. Occasionally, he would bring home something really nice, like when I was a kid. I wanted a dog, and he just randomly brought home a German Shepherd puppy. Um, When I was older, it was horses, and then it was Christmases with random really, really high-priced gift cards. And, like, they were nice and all, but they didn't 
make up for the lack of relationship that we had. Narcissists are classically great with grand gestures, but they are not good with everyday relationship. What they are great at is referring back to these grand gestures as a way to emotionally blackmail you and make you feel like you should treat them better because, hey, they bought you that expensive thing, or hey, they took you to that place that you wanted to go. Everything that they do for you, they do with a purpose in mind, knowing that they can use it at a later date to make you do or feel or say whatever they want you to. For number 10, we have... Arrogance and superiority complex, or a god complex, also with a hint of victim mindset. Well, maybe more than a hint, because nothing's ever just a hint with a narcissist. This is classic for narcissistic people. With covert or vulnerable narcissists, it looks a little bit different, but trust me, they still have a god complex. They still think that they're better than you. It just looks differently. It's more subtle, and it comes from a more shy or vulnerable demeanor. For me personally, I noticed this most in conversation with my father. I realized at a fairly young age that when we were talking, he did not give a fuck what I said. It did not matter to him what I was saying. All he was thinking about was how he was going to respond to it. When you think that you're superior to other people in your thought processes, in everything that you do, chances are you don't care what they say. It doesn't matter to you because your response is always going to be cooler, better, more well thought out, with used with better words, all of the things because obviously you're better than everyone. So when you're sitting down with your child, chances are you don't care what they say. They're just a kid and you're a god. This is also nicely accompanied with a sense of entitlement. And that can exist either in the emotional world or in the physical world. Some people will feel entitled to physical things. Others will feel entitled to emotional things like respect, even when it's not earned, or control, even when it's not, again, earned. So if you've ever heard your parents say, you need to respect me because I'm your parent while they're treating you like trash, um, this is that sense of entitlement. They feel like they are owed your respect not that they have to earn it, or at least be worthy of it. And while in a healthy relationship between a parent and a child, respect is owed to the elder, in a relationship with a parent where your parent is a narcissist, respect is really hard to give. And that concludes this episode. I really hope that it was helpful and eye-opening. If you think that your parent is a narcissist, I really encourage you to dig in and do your own research. When I was trying to figure out what I was dealing with, what kind of abuse I was experiencing, that's what I did. I just did a ton of research. I looked into pretty much everything that I could get my hands on and finally wound up figuring out that what I was dealing with was narcissistic abuse. Knowledge truly is so incredibly powerful and so impactful. So don't be afraid to dig in and read some web pages and, you know, order some books, whatever it is that that works for you. Listen to other podcasts. I listen to a lot of different people um, who talk about narcissistic abuse. It's really important just to to know what you're dealing with and also to know that you are not alone in what you're dealing with. That's why I started this podcast. I wanted to reach out to all the other children of narcissistic parents and let you guys know that you can heal, you can do this, we're in this together, and hey, we survived. 
If you're new here, please, I would love to hear from you. I have so many people who have reached out and asked questions or just shared their story and it never ceases to bring tears to my eyes and joy to my heart. So I would love to hear from you. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday.